calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this brand new episode of The Geek Buddy. Now, if you're listening to us and you go, hey, that only sounds like two people doing that, A, you're right. It is. (laughs) It's just me and Shannon McClung for right now. You are listening to us as we enter the throes of LAX because we are picking up our third Geek Buddy, Michael Vogel, who is flying in from Phoenix. Uh, from Phoenix, yes. From Phoenix, and uh, you are going to get this entire episode is going to be us talking with Michael. Like, all three of us are going to be in the car go- doing a show, doing an episode of the show. Some of you who've listened to me on Outlaw Nation know that uh, we have done these for Comic-Con. Where have come people come in the car. Usually Kalinowski is our fourth member. Unfortunately, Kalinowski couldn't join us tonight. Uh, so it's it's uh, so that's what we're gonna do. So settle in, relax. We're gonna still the 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 uh, the way the show has been set up the last two episodes. That's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we'll have an introduction. Everybody will introduce themselves, uh, and then we'll go through a news piece and have a discussion about it. And then we'll talk about our two our 
really big main story, which will lead into uh, the last part of our show. Uh, Shannon, we seem to be in the wrong lane here. No, no, no. This is where we're supposed to go to left here. See? You're not oh, nice. Coming. Yeah, I knew what I was doing. Well, you, you took the shortcut. Yes. Oh, so that means Michael Vogel getting in the car is imminent. Yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. We, we cut through the middle. If you have ever flown in or if you're an L.A. local, you know the cut through we're talking about. When you come in on the uh, arrivals loop, if uh, you're going to Terminal 7, you can actually... Uh, circumvent a lot of this traffic. And yes, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and an actor here in Los Angeles, California. I'm also uh, piloting this, uh, this this bus right now. Yes, yes, he's driving us. And yes, I'm John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, writer, producer, host over at Collider Video and num- a number of other podcasts. And you might have seen me every once in a while on a sports uh, situation on Collider Sports over there as well, uh, holding down the floor for Collider Sports time. Um, this is uh, this is a fascinating idea that you came up with, Shannon. You because we were going to meet at my house, and Shannon goes, "No, no, I think it'd be great for the fans to enjoy the experience of riding along with us as the Geek Buddies, riding along with us to pick up Michael and then just doing a show." Well, and also, as you said, we had done this for Outlaw Nation twice before, uh, going down to Comic Con. We had a really good time, and I was like, "You know, it would be really funny." One, I'm driving and not Vogel because Vogel uh, has some attention problems when he's driving and trying to make a point. Where yes, I'm all about the safety. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be very, very funny. Like we'll get, we'll get Vogel will be hot. He's coming, he's coming in hot right off a plane. Yeah, and he's ready to go. Like when we suggest this to them, to him, he was like, "Yes, hell yes, let's do this." So hopefully, this is all going to go great, and we don't have any issues uh, recording this. Or any problems uh, overall? Fingers That's crossed. fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because I got to keep checking to make sure nothing's going on. Oh, and and by the way, uh, I'm also trying to check in for my flight, which will happen on Friday on Southwest Airlines. What is this guy doing? I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. People are crazy in this town. Oh, look, people are out in the middle of the street. Oh, no, that's that's, uh, that's a cop. That's a cop. Okay. Yeah, that's a cop. Yeah, what did he, he say? He said he's at the end? Yeah, he's at the end of seven. Oh, at the end of seven. All right. So. I like his He's flashing the bulbs. I dig it. All watch right. out. Watch out here. I know. I see. Crazy people up in this thing, up in this piece. <laughs> if Vogel had been driving, we would have been honked at four or five times. Oh, at least. <laughs> and he'd have been like, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like he usually does. Those of you who know Vogel know what we're talking now, about. See, look at what the, this guy's stuck in the crosswalk now. Oh wow! Uh huh. Look at look at these idiots. Yeah, there's. That's go- not where you get picked up. Oh, are they are they stopping? What are you doing? Oh my god. Oh my gosh! Of course. Did they get dropped off or, or picked up? I don't know. I think they're asking for directions. Oh my god. Because <laughs> now they're going through to the parking lot. You gotta love it. You <laughs> got to love it. Uh, let's see here. So anyway, yeah, this is our, our situation and, and what we got going on. And uh, Vogel will be uh, in the car momentarily. And we will essentially be back as a threesome. And uh, we will start the show. Well, I mean, we, the show's already started. Yeah, agreed. Started. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so some of the topics we're going to cover. Should we talk about co- topics before yeah. we pick up Michael? Okay. <laughs> oh, nice move. Patience. Patience is a virtue. Nice move. Patience is a virtue and be nice. That's true. It's, it's, that's a that's going to come up later on in the show. Be this nice. idea of being nice. Agreed, yeah. Being nice, uh, you know, no one ever gets mad at someone for being polite. That's true. They get All mad. Cops on, a, cops on a bike. They get mad when you tweet 
about being unhappy about a show coming back that you're a star in. Okay, let's see where... Okay, this is the very end. <laughs> I really hope we didn't pass him. I hope so. I hope not. There he is. is. I see him. You see him? I see his bulbous oh, biceps. He Hello! Hey! hey <laughs> Come on in, son! And these women are in, are in the street. There it is. The there he is, Mike Vogel, the third geek buddy. Microphone is on, son. No, Grab go, it and go. go. The other way. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God. I literally cleared a seat for him, and he's, he's trying to sit down on the Is he really? Yeah. Yeah, I cleared a seat. Sorry about that. Did you see the mic? Why is everybody yelling at me? There it is. <laughs> oh, thank you. What, 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 uh, this is, this is real friendship right here. This is real Geek Buddies friendship. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we've started the show. So, uh, Michael, please introduce yourself. Uh, hey, everybody. It is a, uh, tired Michael Vogel, just in from Phoenix. Hey, yeah, you should not get hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, writer, producer of animated, uh, TV shows and film, and, uh, and world traveler. What, yeah. What were you doing in Phoenix, Mike? I went to Phoenix to do testing on a uh, top secret project that I'm currently developing, which basically means I sat behind a one of those two-way mirrors for two days and watched uh, moms and kids respond to stuff that I've written, and it was crazy. On this top secret project, are you working with some of the best in the business? Some of the best in the business. Some of the best in this car, even. Hey! Oh, my God. <laughs> you you set him up to kiss your own butt. That's that's a Geek Buddies thing, if I ever heard it. <laughs> Mikey, how was the trip? It was it was a good trip. It was a quick trip. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm a little, little tired, a little frazzled. It was a little, little turbulence uh, oh, when no? we took off tonight. Okay. And uh, I just thought to myself, dear Lord, don't let me die before I fight with John Roca about Daenerys Targaryen. So I'm glad, I'm glad I survived. <laughs> That's general, uh, general uh, Daenerys Targaryen to you, pal. Whew. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, let's see. Okay, so anyway, let's talk. Let's have this conversation. Uh, you guys know what we're going to do is every one of us is going to present a store, a uh, news item of the week, a geek news item of the week. We're going to discuss a little bit, then we're going to get into the main show. I think the main subject is the Star Wars news from Bob Iger that there's going to be six. Star Wars movies. Benioff and Weiss are going to be intimately involved along with Ryan Johnson. These six movies are essentially going to intertwine. Uh, So that's the rumors that keep popping up. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's get into our uh, geek news items. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. First, should we take uh, uh, La Tierra or should we take... Hey, you're driving and we're podcasting, so you're the boss. You're the captain, captain. Okay, okay. Well, being in control makes me scared. Um, But also, I I have a complicated relationship with horror movies. Like, I think as as a communal experience, they're fantastic. But I personally don't really like being scared. I, I, I have I have problems with it. And uh, way back in college, uh, when Mike and I were freshmen at Florida State, we went to go see the movie Scream. Oh, God, this was so good. <laughs> and and as we were there, I'm not taking a left here, am I? No, you're not. Keep going straight. Okay. What's wrong with you? The, well, this guy's slowing down in front of me. Ah, come on, buddy. Um, so yeah, we went to go see the movie Scream, and there was a gal from Mike's dorm who I thought was very fetching, and I was like, hey, when when you get back to the dorm, give me a call. I want to I want to chat about this lady. But Mike saw how frightened I was by the movie screen, so I get a phone call. Well, and now Go this ahead. was this was the days this was the days where when you had like a modem, 
a dial-up modem for your computer. So I had two lines in my dorm room. I had the dial-up for the modem, and then I had a separate line so that when I was on the computer, I could still get phone calls. So I had two phone lines. Yes, and when you had caller ID for a landline, you actually had a separate little monitor where the number would pop up. So I get home, still a little rattled by the movie, but very excited to hear what this gal thought of me. And the phone rings, and on it, it popped up unknown. Now, telemarketers weren't a big thing back then. So I answer the phone, and I hear, Hello, Shannon. What's your favorite scary movie? And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 okay. And I'm like, is this Mike? Like, who's Mike? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, the qu-, and then he said, the, the question isn't who am I? The question is where am I? God, and, that was good. And at this point, the phone beeps, and I click over, and it's Mike, and he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh my god, dude, there's somebody on the other line pretending to be the killer from Scream! He's like, you're kidding. I'm like, I need you to come over right now. I am so scared. He's like, well, click over and see if he's still there. So I click back over. If you ever, if you ever click over on me again, I'm going to gut you like a fish. And I click back, and I say, yeah, he's still there. <laughs> so at this point, Mike is he's like, I'm getting my shoes on. I'm heading over right now. Just click back over one more time. I click back over, and Mike... What, did you, what What was said? I believe I just said, what did I say? I was just like, you're a fucking idiot. You said that was a good joke, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was a good joke, and you were a fucking idiot. I can't believe you fell for it. I absolutely fell for it. <laughs> to this day. So, scary movies leave a lasting impression on me. So, when I saw the trailer for It Chapter 2, I was thinking, oh my god, I cannot wait. As scared as this movie is going to make me, I cannot wait to go see this with my buddies. We went and saw the first uh, the first chapter of it with a friend of ours who has a legitimate fear of clowns. Yeah. And I am, again, a giant Freddy cat. So getting through that movie was a challenge that we ultimately succeeded. But then watching the trailer for part two, I mean, how good does this thing look? Yeah, I mean, it looks great. And also, I think what's great about the It movie, or at least the first It movie, and it looks like with this trailer, you know, it's going to be a continuation, is it's it's definitely a scary on. movie. It's definitely a horror movie. But it also is just a really high-quality movie. Yeah. Hey, Mario Andretti, why do you not take the turn so hard? <laughs> You're going to break the equipment, goddammit. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I mean, like, it's a really quality movie. It's one of my favorite Stephen King novels, and it's like, you know, with a lot of Stephen King movies, Pet Cemetery just came out, the reboot, not a great movie by any stretch. A lot of Stephen King uh, adaptations really just leave a lot to be desired, and I feel like this is one of the ones that really, really nailed it. Yeah, I would be surprised. I'm not surprised Pet Cemetery wasn't 100% great. Uh, Jason Clark rarely knocks it out of the park in any films he chooses. He's a fine actor, but for whatever reason, the films around him don't ever quite live up to the possibility of putting him into that next level of male lead that you want to go see or male lead star. You know what I'm saying? But this movie looks, the trailer was great. Absolutely great. Uh, you know, I get the knock. Nothing, on, nothing really uh, gets me worse than a naked old lady creeping around her apartment. Like absolutely. that, really, or peeking out behind yep. the doorway or whatever, and then moving around, and then you see Pennywise and all like it was insane. Yeah, the casting of Bill Hader as Richie Tote, like that's that's genius. But agreed, I think we're gonna have a moment from The Shining where the, a wrinkly old naked lady uh, comes chasing out at the camera, but. Watching that trailer, I got really uh, nervous and excited at the same time. I can't wait to watch this with you guys. Yeah, I was at the... Remember we went to the Dome to see it, and the projection screen... The projection scene moment with the projector, I was literally a Looney Tunes cat with my claws at the top of the roof. Because that scared the living shit out of me when that thing got so big. Uh, Pennywise. And this feels even darker. I wasn't necessarily scared by... 
the by Penny showing up to the adults because now you're talking about an equal playing field. And so to me, it's going to be yeah, equal playing field. It's a supernatural clown. I don't know this equal. <laughs> well, I feel like these. these I'm going to start hanging red balloons outside your window, see how equal you feel about no, it. Oh, this is a good question for you. Did you guys see those DHL boxes that arrived to people? The day the trailer came out, DHL with a special program or whatever, like allowed people to send red balloons in boxes as packages, and people were opening the boxes and red balloons were coming out. If I opened a box and a red balloon like floated out of that box, I would literally pack a bag and just never come back to my apartment again. Yeah, that is that is no bueno right there. Uh, now, are you guys concerned because they knocked it out of the park so well with relatively unknown kid actors for the most part? There were a couple of kids who people had seen before, obviously from Stranger Things, what have you. But are you guys concerned that the adult version of this is uh, is going to be able to match what we saw in the first movie? I'm not concerned about that at all. I think 100% that the cast that they have assembled with James McAvoy, with... Uh, um <laughs> the Old Spice guy. Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain, but I'm thinking Isaiah Mustafa. The oh, Old right. Spice guy is in it. He's playing the adult version of Mike. No, I think these guys are going to... I think the cast is going to knock it out of the park. I think recently with a lot of properties, people have not been sticking the landing. Um, so boy, that- boy. <laughs> From your lips, buddy. <laughs> Wait a minute. So that that would be the only concern. I'm not concerned about the actors at all. Okay, Mike, any concern on your end? Uh, no, really, I don't have concerns about it. I'm super excited. I mean, okay. to Shannon's point, you never know how it's going to go, and endings are not something that are that, that, that's uh, going really well right now. But <laughs> hopefully, this will be one of them that is. Do you do you um, do you remember that there's a backstory to Pennywise in the It book? There's not. So this is something possibly new. They, yeah, they yeah that was that was definitely. It's a really good point that you say that. Like Pennywise in the well. The backstory to Pennywise in the book gets into some weird Stephen King alien cockroach stuff that and doesn't real that never really kind of landed for me. Right. So the fact that they sort of seem to be going in a different direction of what Pennywise is and where he came from, I actually think is interesting. It's that moment when you're, you're when you're studying Scientology and you're like you're going along well. You're like, oh, I feel better. I'm changing my life, cutting out toxicity. And they go, now there's Xenu, and then you're like, okay, what well, the fuck? And it is something that's kind of you know to Shannon's point about sticking, what just sticking endings, sticking yeah. landings. Yeah. Um, it is kind of I love Stephen King. I yeah. think he's great. Yes. Um, but a lot of his books, uh, Under the Dome, It, which is one of my favorite books. A lot of his books, like, he builds set tension, he builds suspense, he's really great at writing these really in-depth characters, and then you get to, like, the last 50, 30 pages, and something happens, and you're kind of like, eh. Yeah. And I, that was definitely my experience with it. With the changes that the director <laughs> made to the story in the first chapter, do you think the giant spider is going to show up? I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I've, ne- I've never read the books. I just remember the, the miniseries. And the moment when the stop-motion spider showed up, it sort of uh, it kind of took the teeth out of the scare for me. It does. I mean, that's the thing. is Pennywise is so scary in his sort of mysteriousness, creepy clownness. Yeah. That when it's, you know, it's the truth of most scary stories is when you actually see the monster at the end of the day, the monster ceases to be scary. Right. So oh, you mean Balrog? You mean that spider? Balrog? What was the spider in? Balrog from... Fantasia? Lord of the Rings. No, the spider from Return of the King. Shelob. 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 That's not a Schmodown question for me. <laughs> I'm no good at Lord of the Rings trivia. I'll let you know now. Balrog's the big stone demon from Fellowship of the Ring. The oh, yeah. Sharon and Bog is from Fantasia. Man, you, we... You shall woo. not pass. Well, there's a lot going on there. 
There's a lot of geekiness going on with the geek buddies. A lot of, a lot of geekiness on the 405 right now, guys. Uh, all right, Mike, do you want to go next or you want me to go next? Uh, I'll go next. Since, okay. we're, since we're sticking with the horror theme right now, I will, I will go next. Um, nice segue. Um, so speaking of scary things, Disney released a clip of Will Smith performing Prince Ali this week. I, I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there was any upside to, to releasing <laughs> that clip. It... Again, I think we spoke about this before. I've, yeah. I've had a very, I've, 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 every time there's a new thing with Aladdin, I really, I want to be excited. I want to be proven wrong. I want to get like, okay, now I'm, now I'm on board. Yeah. And 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 the the complete dullness of Will Smith uh, singing that song and that and just everything about that clip. I just saw a tweet uh, when I was waiting for you guys to pick me up that said. Um, this is what happens when you let straight men direct musicals. <laughs> and that's a good tweet. It's just, you know, I mean, like of all the things that I was worried about with Will Smith being the genie yeah. uh, of what, you know, with uh, comparisons to Robin Williams, is he going to like be too jokey, not jokey enough, whatever. I wasn't concerned about him being boring, uh, particularly yeah. in a musical performance. And boy, that was boring. Yeah, man. I felt the same way. I just watched it before, before uh, we came to get you. Uh, and I was, and Aladdin, I think across the board in this car, Aladdin's one of our favorite animated features. I think we can say that. And I was supremely shocked at how unmagical that song is in Guy Ritchie's hands and in Will Smith's performance. And the costume designs are incredible. The look, the colors are all very vibrant, but there doesn't seem to be any life or magic or excitement in this scenes, and when you have a song like this, Prince Ali, it's like when you saw the animated feature, it works so well because obviously you have Robin Williams jumping into certain areas and playing different characters. Why isn't Will Smith doing that? Why is Will Smith uh, dancing like he's doing a concert back in the '90s with his whole crew behind him, a step show? And it just frustrated the hell out of me because I'm like, I don't understand why through the magic of cutting and film, you can't have him playing different characters as the genie. No, that's a good point. I mean, the, the whole point of that song is that the genie is using everything at his disposal to get everyone in Agrabah uh, stoked. I mean, he's actually, like, he's the ultimate hype man. Yes. Like, the genie in the song is the ultimate hype man. Yeah. And, look, we only saw, like, a quick clip. Maybe when we see the movie, there will be some of that. Will Smith will do other stuff. Uh, it is a different medium. It's live action. you got to do different things with it. But Right. Yeah, man, it just did not do it for me, and 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 it seemed to not do it for most people. Yeah, uh, based on the internet, having the least invested in this movie, um, I watched the clip as well, and I thought the the cinematography. I'm like, yeah, this is a little unimaginative, um, but in one of the trailers, we where we saw that you know very very brief little snippet of friend like me, where he's Will Smith isn't having to sing, like he's doing more of what. What he does, he does more of like the talk singing. Where I think uh, the song "A Friend Like Me" is gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna work for him. Him singing for uh, Prince Ali, yeah, it was, it was a little underwhelming. But again, having the least invested, I'm still keeping my fingers optimistically crossed. You know, all right, all right. Yeah, and I will say this: I am trying to get Shannon and Michael. Well, Shannon, really, because Michael and I are going to a screening of Aladdin. I'm trying to get my, uh, Shannon in as my plus two. So, which is rare. You don't get a chance to do that often. So, but I have a but feeling. Shannon's so little because they're like a plus one and a half. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Uh, I, oh, okay. all right. <laughs> I have your life in my hands right now. All right, good point. Good point. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, no, I, I, I have a feeling there are going to be people who are not 
necessarily rushing to see this one. So I got a feeling there might be some slots open and the three of us can go. And then we'll do maybe a non-spoiler review before we the embargo is up. And once the embargo is up, we'll do a spoiler review of it. Because it is a little perplexing that they're releasing it for screening for press literally three days before it actually comes out. I, I have a feeling that they know. They know, right? That this was probably not a win for them. Yeah. And that's a terrible thing because Aladdin is a fantastic film and the whole point of them trying to do it this way was to make it more authentic, right? To the uh, person of color and they the same thing with Lion King, trying to make it more authentic about an African story. They're doing all of this and to, to, to mess this one up, which is so magical and if you're going to take this on with Robin, like with the, the passing of Robin Williams, you would think they would put the extra amount of effort on this one. And I don't know why Guy Ritchie got the call for this. I don't know why. Well, you don't know which Guy Ritchie, unfortunately, uh, you don't know which Guy Ritchie is going to show up. Is it going to be Sherlock Holmes and Snatch Guy Ritchie, or is it going to be King Arthur Guy Ritchie? Right. And it looks like we might have gotten uh, the King Arthur version. And you know, another thing that does happen, I mean, to your point, sometimes when a studio knows they've got to do it really, really well, and you have a property that is so beloved... Uh, as Aladdin, sometimes you get a lot of executive interference. You get a lot of interference. You get everybody having an opinion on how stuff is supposed to yeah. be. And sometimes that can actually be the downfall. Sometimes when you're not as stressed about making something as perfect as you need it to be, you take some other chances. You do some different things. And maybe if things do kind of kind of land a little blandly like this clip did, yeah. that might be a p- part of the reason why, too. Do you think casting is part of it, Mike? Do you think casting is also because like the, every clip I've seen of Aladdin, I don't care about the kid at all. Like, there's nothing uh, interesting or, I don't say attractive, but... I mean, there's something attractive about it. Well, all right, fair enough. And Jafar, for that matter. (laughs) That's another problem. Uh, I mean, hot Jafar is kind of problematic to me. Right. But but we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Yeah. Makes me feel things. Even Jasmine. Like, Jasmine's obviously... Objectively, there's all pretty people involved in this movie. You can't deny that. The problem is that I don't sense any... As I said earlier, any magic uh, in the in the scenes I've seen, or any real chemistry between the people, and even the scene where it's like, well, you got to be specific with your words. Like the guys, like the the uh, Aladdin is just he just seems to have no magic to him, and I wonder if that's direction or if that's just bad casting. I mean, we'll find out. I don't, you know, I always try and with with trailers, it's always hard to tell. Yeah. So with the acting, I really do try and like wait and see give them the benefit of the doubt, like watch full sequences, kind of really see how like where the characters go, how they interact with each other. Yeah. But yeah, in general, I think my feelings across the board are uh, tinged with fear and, and, and concern and worry. Yeah, and obviously you're not the only one, Mike, as you said, that people have been saying that nothing they've shown, this whole rollout has been one of the most, I don't know, fumbled things I've ever seen. Yeah. From the first trailer on. Because the first trailer, like, wait, you don't show me the genie? Then when they show you the genie, you're like, that's the genie? And then when they show the pictures, you're like, okay, maybe. And then they come out with stuff like this, you're like, oh, crap. All the way right back down again. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty monumental mistake when, was it the EW cover that got released first where it showed Will Smith in his human form and everyone, you know, lost their shit? And he's like, no, guys, I'm going to be blue. And then when you saw him as sort of the CGI blue genie, it was like, oh, yeah, it didn't work out well either. (laughs) And we'll see, we'll see. Um, all right, should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. What you got? All right, my third one is the one that uh, I, I wasn't sure, and then Shannon reminded me. Oh, that's right. We said we would co- would talk about the Constance Wu situation. Ooh. So 
this, for those of you, I'm sure those of you listening are aware of what happened, but in case you're not, Constance Wu, Constance Wu is, uh, you know, she was in Crazy Rich Asians. She is the lead, uh, to, you could say the lead, the, patri- the, matriarch, the matriarch of the family in Fresh Off the Boat. Um, and when it got tweeted out on social media, I think it was ABC or one of these places tweeted out on social media that um, uh, Fresh Off the Boat was renewed for another season. She took it upon herself to tweet the F word. And then when people quoted the tweet and asked her, you should be, aren't you happy? And she said, no, hell no. Uh, and then another yeah, I think somebody comment, said, this is great news. And she said, no, it's not. No, it's not. Right. And it kept going from there. And then she and then Gemma Chan liked some tweet about her that was negative, And she backtracked on it, claiming that she accidentally liked it, which, of course, I think is one of the worst excuses in the world. Everybody knows how to use fucking social media. Give me a break. Uh, But then Constance Wu released this, like, long-ass letter explaining the reason why she did what she did. And it seemed like a good apology and certainly a saving face apology. Yeah, she said that uh, she was. There was another role that she was really excited about. She right. thought that season six wasn't happening, and that uh, what her frustration was that she really wanted this role because it was challenging. And that right. while fresh off the boat is really nice and pleasant, she wanted to do this other role. And the fact that she couldn't do it was really upsetting, and kind of asked everybody to uh, to understand where she was coming from on that. Which is, of course, complete and utter horseshit, right? I mean, you can negotiate anything. With studios and with TV, like if they want oh, you, no, that's not necessarily true. You don't think you can negotiate that kind of stuff? I, I think I think she Karen, absolutely was thinking that she was going to do this other project. And right, then fresh off the boat, got renewed, and they're I'm sure in first position with her, uh, given that she's you know such a big role in the show, and so she probably does contractually have to do that, and it probably did conflict. I, I don't think she's lying about that. Okay, well then, d- d- okay, well don't don't you think that she could have negotiated a better situation rather than doing it on social media? Well, okay, I think a couple things. <clears throat> First of all, I think three dudes discussing this whole issue gets slightly uh, slightly problematic because I think that there is a level, and a lot okay. of people said this on... Well, no, here's why. Okay. I said this on... Um, or a lot of people said this on social media. Mm-hmm. The, the, the response to her, uh, there are a lot of words used like ungrateful... Like you're so ungrateful. Right. And by the way, I don't want the this. I'm I'm presenting the story. I am not judging the. No, no, for sure. Yeah, I want to make sure it's clear I, to people listening. I am not judging her in the negative at this point. We're just having the discussion. I think that. Um, I do think that she kind of got. Well, let me back up. Mm-hmm. I think first of all, actors are allowed to be upset if they like. Look, whether she doesn't like being on Fresh Off the Boat anymore, maybe whether she's bored with it, yeah. whether she doesn't like working with people, whether she likes working with everybody but was really excited about this other project. Yeah. If she's frustrated, she's allowed to be frustrated. Agreed. Like That is completely valid. So a lot of people that, like to, to my point, yeah. a lot of people on Twitter are calling her ungrateful, saying that she should be happy with what she's got. Like I think that's kind of gross. Um, I think okay. she's allowed to feel yeah. how she feels. I do think... Putting that out on social media is probably not the smartest move. I think if you're really upset, text your friends, call somebody, go get drinks with somebody, right? You know, air your things. I think that this is the problem with social media is people sort of have this gut reaction and they put something out in front of the entire world. <clears throat> so I don't think her being upset is the issue. I think maybe not putting it out to the world was is, is the smarter way to go. Yeah. Well, the she the statement that she put out was a very long statement and then at the end she said please believe women 
that was a little confusing to me because first of all, I don't I think she's got a right to be upset about something. I think she's got a right to tweet about it. I think she's got a right to take the good and the bad that comes with tweeting about it. And uh, we can say, oh, you know, she should be grateful for this or that. None of us are at her level. None of us have her perspective. I think it's a matter of perspective. Someone, There's a great line, right? No matter what situation someone is in that you think they're so happy, they should be happy about, they have something to bitch about in that situation. It's all relevant to where you're at, right? As you move up further up the chain, someone below you, a few rungs below you, is jealous of where you're at or wants to be where you're at. So if you happen to complain about where you're at, that person two or three rungs below you can be like, what are you complaining about? I would love to do what you're doing. Until you get there and you see what that all entails. It's like a video game, right? Every, every level you go up, there's a whole new set of challenges because guess what? You got this far, therefore we're going to be able to challenge you this much more. And so the reaction to it is the reaction to it. I feel like she got unfairly um, destroyed by people who who have no concept of what that situation is like to be a lead on an ABC show, a sitcom. And yes, it's great as a person of color, me speaking as a person of color, to see a person of color uh, in that situation with because those shows are rare. Um, and she had a right to express it. I just think I just think there's danger in that as well because now you start to see this. Now all these people are piling on top. We're like, oh, she's the worst person in the world. Page Six has this story about how you know nobody liked working with her on the set on Fresh Off the Boat, and she's even more diva than J Lo on the set of Hustlers. And you're just like, okay, so now everyone's just going to pile on. And I do think this does kind of happen to women more than men mm. a little bit. I do think that there's this piling on of. Of whether it's true or not, like mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know her personally, so I don't know. But right, like, right. maybe she is a horrible person to work with. Maybe she's not a horrible person to work with. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the danger of throwing something out on social media like this. Yes. And also the other thing that you had mentioned, her uh, ending her her longer explanation with the believe women thing. Yeah. I actually know a lot of women who were kind of bothered by that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just because I saw that on Twitter, it was taking. Believe women is kind of uh, a term that we're using about a very specific and serious thing when it comes to women and assault and physical abuse. Yes. And so I feel like for her to kind of take that on as part of the please believe me on I really wanted to play this role, a lot of women I know weren't too keen on that. I don't know that that got her a lot of points. It didn't. And I saw a lot of women on social media take to it and with blue check marks, validated accounts so they so they're more uh they can be seen more by more people came out against that last sentence and said like this is not this situation uh and that was i I thought that was i thought that kind of showed you a little window into constance and how she sees things and uh validated a little bit what some people have said about her kind of whispers for quite some time um, so there, uh, Shannon, what do you think? You haven't weighed in on this. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds about this because as a public person, as an actor, as Mike said, you are entitled to have a bad day. Everyone is going to have a bad day. When I've been on sets, I've worked with people that have been awesome. I've worked with people that have been okay. And I've worked with people that have been kind of jerks. And for me, it's a big deal getting to work with someone with, uh, with some notoriety. For them, it was Tuesday. So you kind of have to keep that in mind. That being said, it was not, it probably wasn't the wisest thing to do to tweet something like that out because 
she might have missed an opportunity and that sucks and I know what that's like, but at the same time, there's an entire crew of people, of below-the-line workers, that have a job for the next season. So that's that's tar that that that's a difficult thing for me to reconcile. But again, I mean, I do understand that I mean, I hadn't heard I hadn't heard it that she was up for another movie. Like I just thought it was she she says she was. Okay. Well, I hadn't heard about the possibility of that. So I mean, the it, it, it the picture is a little clearer, but at the end of the day, would she have had that opportunity without Fresh Off the Boat? I don't know. Well, and that's the question here. If you're going up for renewal, what contract did you? Because Michael, you're you're the executive. I know I don't know how much of this you might know on, from your experience. If you're going up for renewal, that don't, isn't that a moment to renegotiate your contract in case you get picked up? What your rate is going to be at this point? I mean, or does it just kind of carry over and that's that? I mean, it just depends. I mean, it just depends on what you work out. You might have worked out a multi-year contract. You might have worked out this thing. But, like, this, the other thing that, like, some people who don't uh, work in the industry might not know is, like, like when you have, like, a show like that, like, there's things where you're in first position on things, meaning that that if this thing moves forward and you were auditioning for something else or you had another option for something, yeah. that thing is the first position. If that thing moves forward, they get you. Right. Or you get to be on that thing. Like, that's what that is. So, okay. it's, like, I think that... We don't know, but yeah. I think so. I think at the end of the day, it's like I think trying to say, well, she could have gotten out of it, or she should have been able to schedule around it, or they schedule around these things all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I I would tend to believe her. It she was excited about something. She thought the show was done. The show wasn't done. She's back on it, and she got really upset. Well, so why why go for something that you don't know whether you're going to be able to do, depending. On other factors, why not work that into the situation? Hey, I'd love to be on the movie, but if this gets picked up, this is the situation. Like, why not? Why 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 not be able to negotiate that before the pickup? The so the show goes into possible cancellation or pickup. Why not say to the director, the producer of that film, "I want to be on your film. I just got to wait for this to happen. If it does happen, can we push the shooting schedule? Can we move this stuff around? Blah blah blah." Well, that's the concern I have. I feel like it was like, well, I'm but, screwed now. But I mean, you know, I have no idea. Again, we're, we're talking about things in the like, I have no idea. She might have been up for, uh, you know, some big Steven Spielberg movie and Steven Spielberg can right. only do it at this time of year. Yeah. And so there's no option. Like this idea that she and this is no knock on her or her level in Hollywood. Like this is true of a lot of actors and actresses at all levels. Like yeah. you might be super excited about something, but because of locked in release dates or the people who are involved in the movie or other actors and people who are involved in the movie, yeah. it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. So, again, I don't think that it's fair to say, well, she probably could have figured it out. Like, I believe her. She's, she seemed pretty upset about it. So she yeah, probably clearly whatever, she, she probably couldn't figure it out. And a situation like this uh, is exactly how we got Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Du Gray Scott, who was in Mission Impossible 2, was originally cast as Wolverine, and that production went long, and he suddenly wasn't able to do it. Uh Oh really? Because yeah. I've heard that he got injured on the set, and so they so that's why it went long, and that's why he couldn't do it. He got injured with his back, they which delayed the production of Mission Impossible Two, and so he couldn't end up uh, playing Wolverine because they had to keep shoot, start shooting. Well, yeah, it was a delayed schedule either way. I mean, the the production got pushed longer than it was supposed to be, so ultimately that's why he was not available for X Men. There you go. All right, I guess we're on the same page. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer as well, right? That's how she became a cat, a cat woman was because Annette Benny got hurt in a horse riding accident. Yeah. So you just never know. Was Sean Young supposed to be uh, uh, Vicky Vale in Batman, the first one? And something else happened like that? Didn't Sean Young go crazy and like show up oh. as a Catwoman outfit on the Warner Brothers well, lot or something? Well, I think that's Oh, I see. So, so some women can go crazy, but some women can't. Sorry. Okay. Was, <laughs> all right, Mike. Way to go, buddy boy. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's why she showed up as Catwoman, because she was supposed to play Vicki Vale. Something happened where she wasn't able to do it, and she was dead set on being in a Batman movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was dead set. All right. Uh, anyway, all right. So that's our geek news of the Woo! week. All right. Let's move on to our main topic. Michael, I think you should take this one uh, because it is Star Wars related and it is six movies. Now, look, I know I produce Jedi Council, but I also know there are people who are way more larger, massive Star Wars fans than I am, even though I'm a big Star Wars fan. Uh, Michael, Bob Iger, six Star Wars movies. Take it away. Um, well, you know, I mean, I'll take it away. There's not a lot that we know about any of it, aside from, as you said uh, early on, like, it, you know, many often Weiss are definitely handling a trilogy. Ryan Johnson is definitely handling a trilogy. And whether or not they all weave together or they're two separate things, this is the big kickoff. I mean, they've really come out and said that uh, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, the movie that's coming out, J.J. Abrams directing, is the end of the Skywalker saga. That yep. These past nine movies from... Anakin uh, saying that he's a person and hopping in a pod racer in a, in a Phantom Menace all the way up through Rise of Skywalker is the Skywalker saga, the tale of this family. Mm-hmm. And we're about to step into uncharted territory. And I think that the, 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 the place to really start from this is um, what what is the Star Wars universe without the Skywalker saga? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, what is it? You, you know, and I think that's the big question that everybody has is that and it doesn't just mean without these characters. It means, right. you know, we've seen, if you take the prequels all the way to now, we've seen uh, the rise of the Empire. We've seen Palpatine sort of disband the Senate and take over as the Emperor. Yep. We've seen the, uh, you know, we've seen the Empire and stormtroopers and Imperial Star Destroyers terrorize the universe. We've seen a rebellion form and take them on. Mm-hmm. We've seen the First Order rise out of the ashes and a... Uh, a new resistance rise to take on that and now that's going to end and how do you keep recycling that like what is the next era are we are we are the is the empire going to rise again are we going to get more stormtroopers right are we going to go back in time and do a prequel a lot of people have said that benioff and weiss might be interested in kind of going back thousands of years as opposed to going forward and kind of doing something based around the old knights of the old republic idea like there's just a lot of questions and i think the other big uh thing is, you know, with both Benioff and Weiss as of the past several weeks and with Ryan Johnson with Last Jedi, yeah. you've got two very divisive creative teams uh, helming one of the biggest universes in all of cinema. All of a sudden, <coughs> it's divisive with Benioff and Weiss. Right. Before it wasn't. But now this season, because so many people are reacting uh, negatively to Game of Thrones, and really a little bit last season as well, people weren't 100% satisfied with last season. Now there's this question of, like, should this be the team? Because the rumors I'm hearing, and I don't know if it was in the article, but the rumors I'm hearing is that all six of these movies are connected to each other. And that that's what they're trying to do is connect all six of these movies and see where where they want to take them and tell this story. in scope, and the thing is, I thought for sure they were going to take Ryan Johnson's trilogy away from him after all the backlash and everything like that. But clearly, they have an incredible amount of confidence in him 
because he just keeps tweeting away, no problem about Star Wars. Like, absolutely no problem. Yeah. And you wouldn't do that if, like, you know, you weren't on the project anymore for the most part. And and now you throw this uh, anger in from the fans about Game of Thrones. I mean, a petition came out today signed by 35,000 people who want to raise money to reshoot season eight. I mean, that is so... Look, we'll get to my thoughts on Game of yeah, Thrones yeah, yeah. a little bit, but, like... Or as our upset thoughts, yeah. as upset as I might be about where things have been kind of ending up, yeah, um, I don't want someone else to come and redo season. Like that's such a weird, yeah, oh, that, that would never happen. I guess like somebody tweeted, uh, signing a petition to have someone redo season eight is like signing a petition to get five more days in June just to extend summer. Like it's just not going to happen. <laughs> like it's just like it's a it's a made up nothing thing. Yeah, it is. It's a made up nothing <laughs> thing, and signing your name to it. I don't know what it is. It's, this nerd race, but like, and it's fascinating to me because Star Wars. I mean, if they don't stick the landing in nine, how excited are you for these six movies? When Iger said we're going to take a break, what he meant was two years. We're going to take a break for a couple of years, and then we're going to come back with six fucking movies. Well, and Avatar, and also like, look, we're not Oof. we're taking a break from Star Wars movies, but Star Wars is probably busier now than it's been ever. We've got uh, two live action shows on Disney Plus. They, they announced a third one. Did nah. they? Yes. Today, they, haven't it's, said what it's about. they haven't said what it's about. Now it's going to be a third one on Disney+. Plus. All right, so you got three live-action Star Wars TV shows <laughs> that people are really excited about yeah. so far. We've got uh, a, a final season of Clone Wars. Right. Uh, animated, which is also going to be on Disney+. Plus. You've got... You've got uh oh, Shannon almost just got that I was I was in the You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Right, sorry, yeah, somebody yeah. somebody almost just it was hit an old Shannon. It was an old lady. Uh you've got Galaxy's Edge opening in a couple weeks yes. at Disneyland uh later on this year at Disney World, which everyone's super excited about. So like we are in it with Star Wars. Yeah. And um you know, one of the things that we've talked about uh, a few times just us hanging out with each other Star Wars uh the way they run the Star Wars universe in the movies is different than what Marvel does. Yeah. Marvel's got a Kevin Feige. So whether it be the Russo brothers or Taika Waititi or James Gunn or whoever directing a Marvel movie, you have Kevin Feige as a producer and this bigger brain trust at Marvel helping to define the direction of the universe, how it all ties together, how these things all fit. And what Star Wars has done is they've kind of done the older Hollywood model where each movie, the director is sort of the captain of that ship. But Kathleen Kennedy is not the type of producer who creatively dictates a direction. Right. And so that's kind of what we've had with, you know, with this latest trilogy where J.J. had Force Awakens and then Ryan went and did a bunch of things totally differently in Last Jedi. A lot of people got upset. Now J.J.'s coming back to sort of go back to what he maybe was thinking, but he also yes. has to deal with The Last Jedi. And then you've got Benioff and Weiss doing what they're going to do, and you've got Ryan Johnson saying, well, I'm going to continue my story of, like, what's a world with all these Jedi or whatever he's going to do. Yeah. I, that probably makes me more concerned than my specific concerns about, like, say, Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. <laughs> is that I just feel like there's not anybody sort of going, this is the direction we as a franchise are moving in creatively. Right. Now, don't you think, I mean, it, arguably, they we thought J.J. was coming in to kind of shepherd the whole new trilogy. And then Ryan Johnson started to give interviews where he said, no, like, I, I got to do my own thing. From a producerial standpoint, don't you think <laughs> Disney spent all this money to buy Lucasfilm, billions of dollars, do you think rushing into a trilogy of movies, not ha- only having a rough idea of where you were going, don't you think that's a little reckless with your investment? 
You I, could argue it both ways. Uh, you know, I, I think you could. I can easily hear a bunch of executives in a boardroom going, "Not feeding this machine with new movies and just letting no Star Wars movies happens when we just spent X number, X billion number of dollars to open these lands in a theme park is also reckless." We got to keep that entertainment coming, or kids are going to get bored and move on to the next thing. I'm not saying I agree either way, but I think I understand the desire to keep things moving forward. I think what was reckless is not having a Feige in place for this situation, and that's that's the most reckless thing to me of of all. Uh, if you're going to even use that word about the situation, because you, if you're going to have three movies that connect to each other. But don't actually connect to each other because you don't have an entire plan to spread over three movies. That to me is um, rec- uh, not reckless. What, what do they call it? Uh, endangerment. Child endangerment. It's franchise endangerment to do that kind of thing. Franchise <laughs> endangerment. <laughs> it's presidential harassment. No, it's it, to me that's that's the the, sh- the shocking thing of it all. Is like, well, why didn't? You set this all up from the beginning. Lord God, Marvel is showing you that under the same umbrella, Marvel is showing you the path. And you hear Ryan say, no, they let me do it. Like you said, Mike, let me do my own thing. JJ coming back doing it. But like, I think they're trying to correct that mistake by having Benny Weiss and Ryan Johnson. Handle the full trilogy. Yes. Communicating the whole time about what they want these trilogies to be, to say, how they want the stories to go and end up. It doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get a better result, but at least that feels like to Star Wars fans, there's a plan here. Whereas with Force Awakens, and in numerous interviews, they've said there really wasn't a plan here. We let every director come in and do their own thing, which to me is mind, mind-boggling that you would do that for Star Wars. And also having it with a reduced uh, production schedule. Like, it used to be every three years. Then they, they took a year away between each chapter. That, yeah, that just... Franchise endangerment. Yeah. And then added a Star Wars story, right? By the way, I loved Rogue One, but not Solo. I don't think they should have stopped just because of Solo. It was the combo of Last Jedi and Solo and the fans' anger. They were like, okay, we're going to shut everything down. I I actually am glad that they shelved all those anthology films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Mainly because I just think that, and this is, and I really like Solo. I'm one of the people that was a big fan of it. I really enjoyed it. But I think that it wasn't additive. Like, again, just to use Marvel as an example, yeah. every time you see a Marvel movie, even if it's a prequel, you know, even if it's like a Captain Marvel that's set back in the 90s, you know that the information you're getting yeah. is tied into a bigger story. Um, and Solo was lovely, but it didn't have anything to do with the big... Like, at least with Rogue One, you you know, it was a chapter in the big... Uh, in the Skywalker saga. There was, you yeah. know, even though it wasn't about the Skywalkers, you know the Death Star. Right. You know what it, you know what it represents. And I just think that... Um, you know, doing a story, a random story about Boba Fett or a random story about Obi-Wan Kenobi or random stuff. Like, as a Star Wars fan, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I geek out about it. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like we're moving things forward. And it's one of the reasons that I know a lot of people are really excited uh, about the idea of the Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. And taking the guys who did Game of Thrones and putting them in sort of that quote-unquote medieval part of the Star Wars universe is very exciting. I kind of hope they don't do that. Okay. Just because I, I would prefer... I, I am excited about where things are moving forward in the Star Wars universe, not going and retreading stories or pieces of history that already sort of exist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's just me. I mean, I you know, if they if they if they knock it out of the park and tell an amazing Knights of the Republic story with awesome new characters and it's the origins of the Force or something or right. whatever they decide to do, that could be amazing. I mean, you know, there's also the option or the idea that perhaps Benioff and Weiss tell some story far in the past dealing with the Force, the origin of the Sith, Jedi, right. Knights of the Repu- Old Republic, whatever, and that Ryan Johnson is telling a story about post everything post Skywalker soccer where things are going yeah. but because they're communicating with each other those stories somehow tie together that might be interesting that yeah. could be cool yeah well you want to you want to why why do we stop i thought you were driving us around oh okay oh no 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 let's stop so shannon actually talks he's chauffeuring more and talking less let's just let's do this do we look like we're on a stakeout right no now? you know what it is yeah. this is like what kids used to do where they would drive up into the hill and they were we're parking guys it's kind of romantic Ooh. we're parked we're hey guys I really like that we're parking together. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just thought we'd get some donuts, but okay, fine. Do you want donuts? I was thinking about it, but if Mikey, if you guys are off carbs, I guess we won't get them. I mean, I'm not going to eat a donut at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I love that he now, I love this action of his. Let me tell you, people, he's eating donuts at 11 o'clock at night. Now you want some Taco Bell. Oh, I'm just oh. kidding. That's gross. Oh, I can't. Taco I can't. Bell? I can't do it. I can't I'm do down. it. down. It's right here. <laughs> no, no. The Crunchwrap Supreme? Is that oh. what you're asking for? No, sir. I know a, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a Del Taco. There's an In-N-Out. We get some strawberry. Sh- oh, is there In-N-Out around here? That's kind of a long drive for you. What are, why are you so hungry at 11 o'clock at night? I'm a beast. I must be fed. Uh, no, I was just thinking about like some some uh, Neapolitan shake. That would be nice. Little ice um, cream. This is your neighborhood. <laughs> it's, it's true. There's not an in and out in Beverly Hills. Let me tell you. What? Uh, there isn't. What? Uh, anyway, yeah. So, what are your thoughts though? Like, what? Like, what do you hope this is about? What me? Do you, yeah. Um, well, both of you. Well, I would say I hope it's. I just want a good fucking. I'm sorry. I don't want. I just want a good story. I want a good story, and I, I liked Force Awakens. I didn't mind that it had uh, New Hope. Bones. I didn't mind that at all. New Hope Bones. New yeah. Hope Bones, muscles, and <laughs> the same wig. Well, that's perspective. Uh, you know, subjective. Uh, but I. But Last Jedi, I hated the first 30 to 45 minutes of that movie. Enjoyed the hell out of the rest of it. Uh, so, to me, that was more of an uneven film that took a chance. I loved Rogue One to pieces. Saw it again recently on the flight back from Chicago when we did the Top Ten show. Fell in love with that movie all over again. And I'm like, yeah, this is a fantastic film. And then um, Solo, and Solo was okay. wasn't great. I think Solo's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. But then now, if you're going to start over again, I got to see rich characters, fantastic worlds, uh, interesting storylines, great action, and I don't want to see Jedi versus Sith again. I want something new. Something different, something that either expands the mythology or prequels the mythology to a different time using different tools, different weapons, what have you. One of the things I enjoy about Star Trek Discovery, uh, especially this last season, is that it exists in a timeline before you get to the Enterprise that you know from the original trilogy and is able to make it work in the second season really, really well. Yeah, look, I know you don't agree, but in the first season, too. I mean, I think Star Trek Discovery from top to bottom is maybe turning into one of my favorite Star Trek shows. I would say Star Trek Discovery in the first season is The Last Jedi. 
There's issues with the beginning. Well, I love and Last Jedi, so that tracks. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. You're like mom jokes in your Star Wars. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm not going to judge you. Look, here's what I think. A about, little bit, maybe. I think yep. Force Awakens is awesome and fun and also basically a reboot of New Hope in a yep. lot of ways and has some weird plot holes that are kind of, kind of silly and easily fixed. Yeah. So it has its flaws, but I love it. Last Jedi... I understand why a lot of people got upset. I didn't bother me as much. The things that bothered other people, I also love a lot of things about Last Jedi. Yeah. So I think both movies have their flaws and both movies have the things that are great about them. I think they're both really, really solid and, you know, especially compared for those of us who lived through the prequels that didn't love the prequels. Yeah. I feel like we're in a much better place with Star Wars than we were, you know, a decade ago. That's fair. Shit? Yeah, well... I was not a big fan of The Last Jedi. It has sort of emotionally disconnected me from this current trilogy. Force Awakens, I saw it like, ah, oh, this is okay. This is this is this is a nice afternoon. I started to like it more and more and more. Rogue One, I'm with you, John. I think that's just as good as any of the original trilogy. I think Rogue One, I, I can put that on at any time and watch it. Um, Last Jedi, it did some damage for me personally. I'm still going to go see The Rise of Skywalker five or six times, more than likely. I hope it's able to bring me back. I've not had, I've not jumped off the the franchise wagon second, the second movie in and got back on the third. Like, that has yet to happen for me. I'm fingers crossed. But in terms of what Benioff and Weiss, I don't know. I, I think Knights of the Old Republic, how, how much do we all know? I mean, because they're going to be doing new canon, I would imagine. They're not going to be beholden to anything. They're just going to do their version of what happened thousands of years yeah, before. Yeah, I mean, they'll, don't they'll you think? do what they've been doing a lot in the Star Wars universe, which is, you know, once they sort of got rid of everything and said, none of this is canon and it's only the new stuff that's canon, but like Dave Filoni, everybody, like they've been taking bits and pieces, like introducing like Grand Admiral Thrawn into Star Trek Rebel, into Star Wars Rebels, uh, but in a different way than he was in the books when he first appeared. So, like, I could see them taking elements of Knights of the Old Republic and elements of certain characters and sort of reinventing them. And mm-hmm. I think that could be cool. So I think them going to the past, there, there should be no issue with that. Ryan Johnson, what he added, the things that uh, that I take that he really added were Canto Bite. And I was like, oh, this this is just such a such a misstep in terms of a sequence. I remember when they had first talked about it that they were going to go to a casino plan. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds so awesome. And then watching it on the screen being pretty, pretty disappointed. Um, typically, if I go into... A franchise movie, a franchise that I'm a fan of, I'll give that movie two or three shots just to make sure I'm like, ah, let me make, maybe I was, maybe I was in the wrong headspace the first time I saw this. First time I saw Man of Steel, I was like, huh, this is a wobbly step in the right direction. I saw it again a second time. I'm like, you know what? The things that I liked, I really liked. The things that I don't, not so much. The third time I saw it by myself one afternoon, because I'd had a couple of cocktails at lunch, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. And I gave Batman versus Superman the same, the same treatment without the same result. So Last Jedi, I went and saw it three times in the theater, and I could never, I just couldn't get on board. I still bought the, I still bought the Blu-ray. And watched it at home, and I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm just, this is just Man, not my thing. I mean, I, I give you a lot of props for really, really trying here with these things. You, a, <laughs> you don't give up easily. You are you are a true geek, sir. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, all three mics are working now. We're good to go. Hey! Hey, <laughs> hey Um. All right, well, I think we've talked that out uh, uh, to a good spot for right now. We'll see as this goes along. Well, uh, what's gonna? Oh yeah. No, sorry. no, no. I was gonna. No, go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna jump ahead of you, but I don't want to. Of course. Do that. What else is new? <laughs> um. Anyway, so let's, 
Wow. We, we Thanks did... for picking me up, guys. <laughs> you should have seen the traffic. Oh, it was terrible. You son of a bitch. The traffic was insane. <laughs> insane. It looked like it looked like the... Oh, no, I don't want to say that. No, I'm going to say it. It looked like the Jews who live in Egypt in the Moses story. That's what it looked like. Ooh, is that too far? Ooh, but wow. Sh- but Sean Young is crazy, I guess. All right, let's move on to Benioff and Weiss. Uh, uh, all the stuff we mentioned earlier, uh, the reason all now this the, the fandom and the geekdom world is all in an uproar is because of this last episode of Game of Thrones, The Bells. Uh, people are now questioning whether Benioff and Weiss can do a good Star Wars trilogy because they are looking at this episode and this entire season, really, and saying, these guys haven't been good since George R. R. Martin. They've been off the books from George R. R. Martin. And now there's questions of whether they can actually write something that isn't based or isn't based on a source material already established. And so uh, the reason is because of this episode in this season. Uh, was uh, So we want to talk about this. A lot happened in this episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I guess I'll ask Michael, please go ahead. I mean, man, I don't know where to begin. Strap it's, just, in. it's just sad. Yeah. <laughs> just rough. Look, I think... I think By the way, I don't I'm, agree with Michael at all. Like I, I so there's going to be. You don't be know my opinion. Contradictory opinion, please. You don't know right. my opinion. You don't know what to say here. That's right. Um, I, I apologize. Look, here's the thing. I, I think that I there, the long and short of it is whether or not you agree, you like or don't like, whether or not you're angry or whether or not you like it or you think the things are good. Like the issue is that we have two different shows. When Benioff and Weiss were following George R. R. Martin's book, there was a kind of pacing, there was a kind of storytelling, there was a kind of uh, speed of character development, uh, nuance of character development that was happening. Right. And when they went off book and did their own thing, pacing changed, mm-hmm. uh, the rap- the rapidity of character arcs changed, a lot of things changed. And that has been slowly building since season seven. Yeah. And I think we've just sort of reached the peak of it now because I think that there was a lot of times where people were getting frustrated with things in season seven and moving into season eight where you're like, but, well, let's see where they go. And I think what's been happening from the Battle of Winterfell on is everyone was kind of like, that was it? Wait, that's the last time we're going to see this character? Wait, that was the resolution of that? And like it's this feeling, and I think what happened with the Bells is that they're making some major decisions, they're making some major things with characters, and you're like, we only have one more after we are, well, there's one more episode after this. Like things happen so fast. So I think right. that the issue people are having, at least as far as the people that I talk to, because I see a lot of people online who did enjoy the Bells, who are yeah, like, who've been enjoying I can't the season. believe you're saying you didn't see this coming, you didn't know this, they've been hinting at it forever, and most people don't have an issue. With the fact that Daenerys went, uh, spoiler alert, I mean, we're talking about Game of Thrones here, but most people don't have an issue with the fact that Daenerys is going Mad Queen. They're having issues with the way it happened, with the speed with which it happened. And I think that's the issue. I think that we are in two different shows, and if you really were enjoying certain things about the way the story is being told, that's just not the way the story is being told anymore. Okay. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like (laughs) the the decisions that some of the characters are making... um, they're not totally out of character. They're, they're just pretty happen- out of character. Well, they're just happening a little soon. I think if you had taken ten episodes to lay some pipe, uh, I, I well, no, that's that's, that's a term. Sure. <laughs> uh, Sorry, the term. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> if you had taken a little bit more time to lay some groundwork, I don't think people would be having as much of an issue with some of these events as people are having. But 
what 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 groundwork do you need? Like that's the thing that I'm frustrated about with this whole situation. I'm like, and I've been defending this decision all week in in multiple shows and podcasts. Yeah, you know, you're allowed to be wrong sometimes. Uh, well, sure, okay. Are fine. you completely happy with these seasons? This, this season? season, I'm not completely happy, but I've been enjoying it. Okay, I, I, there have been moments where I've been upset. Like, what the fuck is the point of Braun anymore? I'm really mad about what they've done. Or Bran. Or, yeah, both of them. Like you're, you're, You wonder what the point of them is throughout this whole season. Because Bran is alternately Bran and then alternately three-eyed Raven whenever he feels like it. And that's a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you make the joke at Jamie's expense if you say, I don't feel that anyway anymore. I don't have a human connection with anybody. But I'm going to make a dig at you when we're all sitting around at Winterfell and say stuff like, oh, the things we do for love. Got it. Did you get it? That, that doesn't sound to me like a three-eyed Raven, right? Uh, the telling Arya to go back that this is the face of revenge Arya has been fighting to be an assassin for seven plus seasons it makes no sense that in that moment the hound goes you don't want to look like me turn around and Arya goes hey you're probably right I'm out of here that makes no sense she killed the Night King wow it really sounds like you did like that episode a so, lot well, but I'm just I, I'm pointing out the, the, the a little bit of the negative things that I have an issue with because I have no problem with what happened with Danny. Because I'm telling you this right now, I don't think Danny went Mad Queen at all. I think I mean, Dan- I, Benny uh, Weiss literally said in the after show that she did. I no, mean, like- they didn't say Mad Queen. They didn't say Mad Queen. Okay. And my point is this: I think they they speak about the turn she made. Right? To me, I think she made a military decision. She decided after the debacle of Marine. After uh, these advisors who had been giving her this advice that had cost her her Dothraki troops, most of them, most of her unsullied, the death of Missandei, the death of Ser Jorah, she lost Rhaegal, she almost lost Drogon to the Night Army as well. She decided, fuck this, I'm going to do it my way once and for all, like I've wanted to do from the beginning. I'm setting this whole damn thing on fire, and I'm going to build my new kingdom on the ashes of this bullshit and my kingdom will be better, will be more benevolent, will be nicer, will be the way that I think the world should work. So wait. we've done this before, and, I'm, and, and let me finish my point, and we'll go into it. But I think because there, it echoes with other military decisions in history in wars that we, although horrified at the time when we hear about it, we are okay with it now. And that I mean, Sherman's march through Atlanta, he set fire to men, women, and children through Atlanta and burnt buildings to the ground to stop them and the resistance and what have you. Daddy made this decision, I think, militarily to say, I want to say, this is my nuclear option. It is my deterrent for all the other kingdoms to understand I am not a person to be fucked with anymore. And I don't think she went crazy. I think she logically made this decision. It wasn't passionate. She wasn't. She wasn't like twirling her hair and and singing songs like Ophelia. She said, "No, enough." That's my thoughts. So, a couple things. One, I, I I question the logic of anyone making any kind of military decision to kill a bunch of people after they've already won the battle. Mm-hmm. Like. She clearly had won. King's Landing surrendered. So going, hey, everyone surrendered. Here's my military decision. I'm going to kill everybody. Seems odd. But the other thing that seems odd to me is that a defining point of Daenerys' character, as ruthless as she has been throughout the series, as she much as been. they have hinted at how ruthless she can be, as much as she has killed people, burned people, done all this stuff, a defining point of her character is that she always protected innocence. 
She went out of her way, sometimes at her own expense, exactly to protect innocence. Right. So to have a moment where to have a moment where she finally got what she wanted and then decided to just lay waste to women and children and men and men and soldiers and everybody and and uh, yeah and everybody uh, seems really weird to me. But also, here's my bigger issue with it. Mm -hmm. Um is this whole thing that Benioff and Weiss said in the Behind the Thrones thing that they play after HBO that she kind of stared at the Red Keep and that's the thing that set her off seems like such a weak choice. Um, You know, they set it up that Cersei had had a bunch of uh, the the King's Landing commoners come into the Red Keep and Mm -hmm. she said it was to protect them, but it was really to sort of have a wall of defense. Human shield. Yeah, Tyrion said that. So you could have created a reason that... She that Daenerys really wanted to get to Cersei and had and then just like fuck it, I'm gonna kill these people because I gotta get to Cersei because she killed Miss Andy, whatever. You could have had because a big thing that she's really feeling that she said a few times is that uh, you know she doesn't like that she's not beloved, that mm-hmm. she was beloved back uh, back where she back back where she came from. She's yeah. not beloved in Westeros. So have all of the people in King's Landing, even after they've surrendered, like yell at her, call her names, like yell at the dragon, like whatever, and then she takes it out of them. Like I don't have a, mo- I don't have a problem with her going crazy, making a choice uh, to go do horrible things, and that's where we're going with it. I do have a problem with just really, really lazy motivation and having her just do something that it's not motivated, particularly when for six seasons we've seen characters do things. Everything is so carefully plotted out and so really well done. And that's kind of my problem with all this is everything is so rushed to get to the ending that things are just sort of happening and characters are making decisions based on kind of nothing. And it really just doesn't feel satisfying. It feels hollow. It feels like we're going through the motions of what we think is supposed to happen. But we're because we're not giving ourselves the time um, to really draw this out and see these things build, you know. Two episodes ago, we had the most epic battle with the Army of the Dead that yeah. only lasted one episode that mm. we've been building at for years. Epic, but that's debatable. Well, <laughs> I so loved it. Was supposed to have been epic. Like, yeah. <clears throat> the very first thing that happens in the very first episode of Game of Thrones is that we see one of these White Walkers, and we've been building to this winter is coming, winter is coming, oh shit, winter's here, oh shit, the wall's down. And then in one episode, we resolve that. And then everybody was like, well, we probably had to resolve that with the Night King because Cersei's the real villain, and that's going to be the real thing. And then Cersei just got, like, a fucking castle dropped on her, and then, you know, mm. Daenerys looked at the Red Keep and said, yeah, fuck it, let's kill some people. I mean, it's just not the satisfying, carefully plotted, character-driven show that it's been for six seasons. Uh, oh, go ahead, Shannon. Uh, you know, I would no, counter I was just going to ask, do you think four extra episodes would have done it? I think four extra episodes would have helped. And I thought, I've been saying, uh, you know, I thought maybe it was a budget thing. I thought maybe HBO told Benioff no. and Weiss. But Benioff and Weiss were the ones that yeah. made this choice. They could have had a full 10 episodes of season seven and season eight. Like, they, yeah. we could have had not just four more episodes, we could have had. Uh, seven more episodes total you know and we and like would that have solved all the problems maybe maybe not but it would have given us you know how great would it have been if the army of the dead had come and the final shot of season seven was Arya fucking jumping up and like you know air jordaning the night king and that was the end of it and then that was the end of a season and we had to wait till the entire next year to see the aftermath and then everything built to Danny getting frustrated and this battle with uh you know the battle at winter uh I mean at uh, King's Landing was the big event of season 8 like if we had really drawn these things out and given the time 
to really kind of live with these decisions and live with these after effects of these battles and live with these choices. But I think some people are having selective amnesia about this, Mike, because many people have complained in previous seasons that it took too long to get the stuff, that it took too long to do this, that we was dragging around. Why is she a Marine for nine episodes? People complained about so many things. Why is Dorn, why is this Dorn story taking so long? Get rid of this Dorn story. It was like every season was perfectly timed and every storyline had a perfect amount of time to breathe. No, there were a lot of complaints that things took too long. And so now the complaint well, is, oh, it's going too fast. Well, I think and the people you know, who are complaining know. that it took too long are super happy right now and the people that were good yeah, maybe. not. I mean, maybe. I think that's... But could I also be. think... <clears throat> look, I think that was part of what Game of Thrones was. I mean, in the first season, it fucking took them three episodes to get to King's Landing. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, like, and part of that, part of that journeying from one place to the other, what happened on the road, you know, the people you ran into, that was a part of Game of Thrones. Like, the time that it took to get from one place to another, as frustrating as it could be at times, was part of what made the show feel real and lived in and that this was a real world. And as soon as Benioff and Weiss kind of took over, the first thing that went away was travel time. True. All of a sudden, people were getting from one place to another in scenes, and also that created some real logic flaws, because if you were going to go ahead and say, okay, maybe we're just skipping the travel, and so we know that that's been several months, but we just skipped it, but then there's things like Cersei's baby that is apparently gestating for like 39 months or something. I mean, like <laughs> there's certain logic things that are happening here that you're like, well, wait a minute. So all of the people post-Battle of Winterfell got on boats sailed all the way to King's Landing. Yeah. And Cersei told Jamie before he left to go to the Battle of Winterfell that she was pregnant. Right. But then she told Euron that he, she was it was his baby and now everybody sailed all the way back. What, how Which many is, months has this been? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. That's a fair point. My, but, but, but for the people that that complained early on and like I, I don't remember hearing uh, a a vocal minority saying, "Boy, this show just takes too long." Typically, if you feel like a show is taking too long, you hop off the train. Uh, you don't stick around. For the people that didn't mind the link, that actually enjoyed it, as as Mike said, like it made it feel like a real world. Mm. These are the people that have stuck around for seven seasons yeah. that wanted that length. And if it wasn't a budgetary decision, if it wasn't an HBO decision, it's mm. like, oh, why are you robbing these people of of all this time that they have invested? That being said, Benioff and Weiss have been doing this for probably about 10 years. Yeah, and it's not like Game of Thrones always gives you what you want. Don't they zig when they zag and and they throw you off with and give you untimely death to characters or deaths that you didn't want? But I think that's different, though. I think that character expectations are different. That's what I feel like a lot of people are having, though. A lot of the complaints seem to be from character expectations. She wouldn't do that. That's not my Luke Skywalker, and that's what bothers me a little bit. I hear that, and... I don't disagree with you on that, but Mm. I am not. I think that a lot of people who are enjoying these last few episodes keep saying that they're going, oh, you're just mad that your your hero did something you didn't want her to do. And I'm like, no, the people that I'm talking to are like, look, I have no problem with Mad Queen, if that's what it is. I I have no problem with this person who we are setting up as a hero all of a sudden becoming the tyrant because they were so uh, focused on getting the throne. Great. But, like, fucking give me some episodes, some runway. Like, let's really build to this. And I think also the issue is that because they have such little time to wrap everything up, in addition to our main characters, our, our Daenerys's and everybody else mm. kind of, like, either making really quick turns <clears throat> or characters like Cersei 
just standing around and doing nothing and then just having a, a, a castle fall on her. Was like, which is kind of a, a shit way to go for your big, big villain. I agree. Um, story-wise, yeah. Story-wise. Yeah, I agree. It also means that a lot of these smaller characters are just really being brushed to the side. Yeah. Like, the fact that, maybe I'll be wrong, we'll see on Sunday, but the fact that it looks like the last time we saw Sam or Gilly or Torment or Ghost was like, hey, y'all, I'm out. Yeah. Later, I'm not even going to pet you, Ghost, because we don't have the budget for it. <laughs> um, and then, like, Brienne... You know, this amazing character who we've watched grow and develop and she got knighted and that was great. And then Jamie was like, all right, let's. And you're like, oh, my God, Jamie and Brienne all together. And then he's like, bye. And the last time that we see this super strong, powerful woman who's mm-hmm. a knight in Westeros is she's crying as Jamie like rides off. To I agree see. with that a thousand percent. So, but so, but that's my that. point is that's the issue is yeah, if that. we had more time, if we weren't so rushed with all of this stuff, in addition to things like Daenerys's term feeling sudden. We're just washing these other characters aside because we just don't have the time. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. I've, I certainly concede that in a number of spots as I started m- my words about this, pointing out the two negative things that I'd seen from this past episode. But certainly the Jamie and Brienne thing should have never happened, in my opinion. They should have never slept together. I know everybody wanted it, but they should never have slept together. I think Brienne should have, in that moment, he tried to take off the shirt. I think Brienne should have stopped him and said, no, this is not what I'm about. I am lo- I, I'm a warrior. I'm loyal to this. I do not want this. Your heart's not with me. I know where your heart is. Something like that. And that would have blown people's fucking mind that she's the one that stopped him. Right? People like the fact that Arya took control of her sex with Gendry because she... Yeah, she she did. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. People like that because throughout most of the history of Game of Thrones... By the way, it's amazing how people are like, George R. R. Martin's to come back. But we have all these issues how he created female characters. It's like, well, which is it? And that's the thing well, that's frustrating to me. Both it's are like, true. Well, that, there we go. And that's the thing. There's no purity in this situation. But I think that's where I get the frustrating part of this. It's like, well, it's not like George R. R. Martin was writing these incredible things that people were super happy about. Some people really were pissed off about how women were portrayed in this. And me personally, the Benioff and Weiss thing, look at all the people who have died. It is mostly people of color or immigrant people. And that is super motherfucking frustrating to watch from my end, to watch the Dothraki, who are essentially, you know, Middle Eastern or, or Persian or what have you. And then you look at the uh, the Unsullied, who are essentially almost African-based. And then you have this, and then Miss Sunday gets beheaded. And so you're just like, look at all these people that are taking, she is taking, you know, you're watching this happen, and it's just super frustrating. And I want to say one last point, Mike, what you, to brought to what you just said. Uh, yes, she said all these things. Yes, before Danny, but I don't think Danny's turn is sudden. Danny, you fought an army of the dead. That changes you. Do you have to have a scene where she goes, "You know, I feel really changed from the fight with the army of the dead"? To explain it to you, I, that's what I think. A little bit of the, uh, you know, I don't want to bring up the Kalinowski spoon feeding comment, but I, I think a little bit people want a little but too much from this, and I think it's there if you want to find it, and it's not there if you don't want to find it. And I, I, I see. Her turn completely logically throughout this season and the seasons before. All of this makes sense. She's done with the bullshit that these idiots have been doing for years in in, in the Seven Kingdoms. And she wants to do it her way for once. Elena Tyrell said to her, you're the dragon, be the dragon. She became the dragon. I don't know you can say Daenerys wants to do things her way for once. She's had some, but I mean, like, she's done things her way. No, because her advisors have stopped her from doing certain things. And a lot of times she didn't listen to her advisors. So I'm like, I don't think that we can set up this thing like Daenerys has been just doing what what the man told her to do her whole life, and now she's finally doing it her way. Like, this bitch has done a lot her way. (laughs) Like, she's fine. I wasn't saying the man. I said advisors. (laughs) (laughs) But I get what you're saying. Um, Um, 
It, it, anyway, I'm sorry, Shannon. What do you want to say? Anything? No, I mean, I was gonna say, like, I get what you're saying. Like, she's she fought an army of the dead. She didn't. That didn't really seem to be the issue. It had to be the issue was suddenly these people are starting to plot against her. She lost her best friend, and the guy that she liked suddenly has a better claim well, to the throne. There, yeah, and, how, I, and how, also, how but it's not even that. that. It's 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 like it's not even a, this is the other thing that really bothers me is that mm. Daenerys, who's a super awesome, powerful character, yeah. whether she's gonna go mad or not go mad. Again, to just get to these endpoints because they don't have a lot of time was kind of reduced to a begging Jon Snow not to tell anybody, and then we're going right. to say that the superstar was like, "Well, her the guy she likes doesn't like her back, so she went crazy." But I'm he, like, eh. well, but this, but that's conveniently minimizing and removing the seven seasons of her proclivity to use her fire and her dragon when she doesn't get what she wants, which she's done multiple times. So something set her off here. I don't think it's the John Snow. And I get the I get the optics of that, right, Mike? I get. I think you make a great point here. And when I was talking to Emma Fife on a, a, another situation, she said the same thing. It's just, it looks like she's doing this because John doesn't love her. And, and I'm like, well, no, there's more to it than just that, but I get... I get the why that optics looks bad. I mean, what are the, the lines are exactly pretty much? She says, "Yeah, if it's not love, it's, she's, just it's fear. not. If it's not love, it's fear." And right. she goes to kiss him, and he doesn't really kiss her back. And she goes, "Okay, fear then." Let I mean, that's fear. pretty clear, right? Right. Well, Jon Snow really probably wishes right now that he kissed her. <laughs> I hope to God that she he doesn't end up on the throne. He's a bumbling idiot. He does not need to be on the throne. If they to if they put him on the throne at the end of this whole thing, I'll be super pissed. I want Danny to stay on that throne, and I want Danny to be oh. the breaker of the wheel. Danny, which she's already broken. Well, no, she's not breaking the wheel. She broke the wheel. No, if you are a tyrant who wipes the floor with everybody and takes over to build your kingdom on the ashes of that, yeah, that's what the wheel is. It's America. That's what her dad, her dad was the king doing horrible things, burning people. So Robert Baratheon rode in, Jamie Lannister killed dad. Right. Robert Baratheon, like it was a whole coup. They all took over. Right, because he actually- With went... noble intentions. No, well, they did, yes. Right, with noble intentions, right. Yeah. And now Daenerys is like, we need to stop this- Goes into this corrupt kingdom and wipes the floor, burns mm-hmm. people just like her dad did. And by your what you're saying, to take over and rule yeah. the way that she wants to rule, that's not breaking any wheels. I think you break in the wheel when you look at the houses that she has. She gave Gendry a house. A lowly person gets a house. Yara, through the negotiations with Danny, now runs the Iron Islands. Samuel Tarley has his own house. Due to Daenerys' killing I, Randall, I really, it's, it's indirect, but it's there. I really hate to break this to you, but yeah. giving your allies kingdoms so that they will be loyal no, 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 to no, you no, no, no. is actually, exa- that's not breaking the wheel. That's well, the wheel. You're literally describing sure. the wheel. But look at the people who are in charge. It's not the brusque, white, male, swinging dick guys that were there before. These are different people. These are mostly women and men who have men who aren't necessarily warriors. They're more nerdy guys. So to me, that's what I'm getting you at. You think Gendry's a nerd? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Gendry, well, Gendry's a, you know, Gendry's just, a hop-along. But Samwell is a fucking nerd, a brilliant nerd, and he's in charge. Of, it's I'm, not his dad. Just, I hate to break this to you. Daenerys is going to die next week. I just really hate to tell you this. If, but I hope to gonna, God she doesn't. Daenerys is going to die. There's no option. If she dies, I'll be pissed. I'll be really fucking pissed. You can join the chorus of everyone else. Yeah, and I will. And listen, and this is the thing. As much as I've defended the decision for her to do what she did, because I look at it as a military decision. 
Yes, I you've, think said, you've said. Yeah, you've mentioned okay, a few yeah, times. Yeah, all right. All right. You know what? <laughs> you know what? But I, 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 but if it, if, if they turn it on the head and they too, and the thing was, you cannot compare her to her father. She is not her father. No, her father was a, giggling she, in the no, throne room. She's a Targaryen happy. who burned a bunch of people. So I really right. don't see how you're right. It's well, sure, super if you different. Wanna, if you want to be reductive, super different. If you want to be reductive, sure. But her dad was giggling in the fucking uh, throne room while people were dying of wildfire. So that's that's nuts. She isn't. I like. Wait. She wait. 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 She, wait, okay. wait. You're saying giggling in the throne room while people die of wildfire is nuts. It's nuts. But. Getting mad after you've already won the battle yes. and burning no. women and children as you lay waste to the city. Again, you're being reductive. I- you're going for the sensationalist. You're like you're a Fox News headline. Oh, he- oh, oh God. Oh, here we go. He burnt she burnt women and children. No, she burnt everyone equally. She did not disseminate only women and children. She, she burned, burned very fine people everybody. on both sides. She, she burned people. very fine people on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm getting at. Is like I feel like she made this decision uh, to destroy it all and start all over again from scratch. And buddy, that's if that's what you think, if that's what you think they're doing, you're gonna be real disappointed. In and, a few if, days. and if it is, what you gonna do? What am I gonna do? If yes. you're if you're disappointed, if I'm, I'm gonna, right. If you're right, to do. yeah. Well, we'll talk about it next week on the Geek Buddy <laughs> with our special guest Michael Roberts. Yes, we are going to have a special. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, one of our Geek Buddy friends yes. uh, who works in finance over at Disney, but is also an intense Game of Thrones nerd. Yeah, I have a terrible feeling how this is going to go. Um, he's an intense Game of Thrones nerd, uh, fan of the books, fan of the fan of the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, fan of the show. Yes, is going to join us next week because next week, once we've all wrapped this up, are we going to devote? Pretty much the entire episode yeah. to really I would say the main, breaking yeah. down. Here's what ended. The dust has settled on King's Landing. How do we feel about this? Or the ashes of the snow? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> so get ready, get ready. We're gonna have the all out. Let's 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 see where we all end up at the end of this. And if the wheel has been broken, it was already not. broken. It was already broken. It was already broken. Yeah, because when a tyrant takes over, it's she's not a the tyrant. Wheel. You and I have very different. Yes, you live in Utopia Disney. I live in the real world. And in the real world, military decisions are made in moments. You, That's look, not a military decision. Look, it is. That's she not what has the... laid waste to everybody to let everybody know all over the seven all kingdoms. Right. Don't all right. fuck with me. We'll, um, with we'll the, see. We'll see. The Americans bombed Dresden with the British at the end of World I, War II. This is... I'm just saying there is there it echoes in history the decision she's made. Other military. Uh, Shannon, how do you feel about this? Okay. I'm, I'm, I want you to weigh in on this Roka opinion. No, I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I got nothing. You you don't feel one way or the other about? You, are you disappointed about the season? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I on. just I, I mean I do agree with Mike that the decisions seem sudden. I think where I disagree that characters aren't doing things out of character. I think if you provide them enough time and enough justification, a character will do anything. Yeah, true. That's that's my big thing in terms of it being a military decision. I don't agree with you there. Okay. I think I I don't think she saw the red keep and went nuts. I think she had already kind of made the decision beforehand. There you go. So she's not nuts. It was a preordained decision. She knew what she was going to do before she walked in there. I don't think any about anything what she did was madness, but I also don't think it was a military decision. I think it was what, ven- I think it was vengeance. It's just vengeance. It's vengeance. Okay. Okay. And if it is vengeance, can we get past it? Is she allowed this mistake considering all the losses that she's taken? I think she is. Two not. of her dragons, 
the loss of John, the loss of Jorah, the loss she of the Rockies and Southern Miss and She for this world in my everybody. Opinion. Yeah. She's not long for this world. Jon Snow can't let this go. Uh, Arya can't let this go. Like, nobody's letting this go. I thought Arya was done being an assassin. Isn't that what that whole point was? Um, Arya did not basically go to her death to take Cersei down, but Arya also witnessed firsthand, very brutally, yeah. exactly what happened when Daenerys decided to make her quote-unquote military decision, uh, by your opinion. Yeah. And she's not going to be okay with it. Yeah, who's she? Who's she? Yeah. I mean... She's not even the head of a house. Yeah, she took down the fucking Night King. Yeah, she's, Great. The, she's the piper. Yeah, everyone else set up for her to take Time to over. pay. Yeah. Uh, Jon Snow hadn't been yelling at that dragon so she could get by. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. I, I mean, if people going like, Sansa should be the queen, shut the fuck up. Like, Sansa has been, has been uh, what, Lady of Winterfell for like five fucking minutes? You can tell me she can rule seven kingdoms? Get the she, fuck out of here. She'd do it better she, than Daenerys. No, that's not true. Daenerys has been conquering kingdoms through this whole series. She, above anyone else by miles, has more credibility to be in charge and be queen of the Seven Kingdoms right. than anybody else. I'm going to live up. Experience I'll and tell you travels. What, I'm going to live up in Winterfell with Sansa because I won't live in fear that I'm going to get a military oh, decision to lay down on me and like sure. I'm going to burn to a crisp. Because <laughs> what we discovered about Sansa is that she isn't playing little games behind the scenes herself. Get that, what the hell? What are you, you talking? Play all the games behind the scenes you want. Just don't burn me. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> She'll cut your throat though. I, I don't care if you can't keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> don't burn me. She might cut your throat though. <laughs> Ask Littlefinger. Don't burn me, bro. You don't burn me, bro. Don't burn me, bro. All right. I think it's a good place to stop on this discussion. Um, it's a fun discussion. Look, I, I, I get every, I obviously get Michael's side of things, and I get a lot of people in Shannon too. Of course, a lot of people feel the way they, they feel. I understand that. I personally liked the turn, and I'm excited to see what happens next week. If they do kill her off, if they turn her into the Mad Queen Ophelia, dancing around half naked, singing songs to herself, it's a very specific then, madness. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying, <laughs> uh, or giggling in the throne room, then that's a whole other ball game. But she has always been a woman of steel, and she has made her decisions when she has wanted to make her decisions. And as you said, Michael, she has done certain things against her advisor's wishes because she wanted to get it done. She has wanted to be the queen on the Iron Throne. That singular pursuit is very much a part of her character. Yes, the other part of freeing slaves and blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's all part of it as well. But she has this drive to sit on the throne. And we I don't know why people were surprised that she told Jon Snow not to reveal his lineage. All of that makes sense. She wants to sit on the throne. She is not a benevolent person by nature from top to bottom. God, sounds like her dad, man. Well, I don't know about that. I feel that. like this wheel is turning. Oh, my God. All what, right. what wheel? It's broken. All right. All, all right. right. All right. Let's wrap this up. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, guys, for getting me home from the airport tonight. You're I very welcome. much appreciate you all going with me on this journey. It's a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to next week where we really just dive in and oh. uh, put this to bed once and for all. The end of the thrones. <laughs> the end end of, of the thrones. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, um, thanks, everybody for listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. Let's go around. Where can people find you? Shannon. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung and because John Roca made me, I now have an Instagram. Yeah! Woo! At Shannon the Geek Buddy. All one word. That's right. Oh, that's sweet. Follow him. Uh, uh, you, can follow, you can follow me. I'm uh, at MKTune T-O-O-N uh, on Twitter and Instagram. There you go. And you can follow me at The Rogue Says 
on Twitter and Instagram, see all the stuff I'm doing uh, and Collider and all these podcasts. And look, spread the word about the Geek Buddies. It's kind of fun, at times uncomfortable episodes that are going to happen. That's kind of part of being a, the Geek Buddy is we, we talk about stuff and then at the end, we're still all friends at the end. That's what we said. And we'll see, obviously said, we'll see what happens next week. But this has been a fun episode. Hope you enjoyed the ride from the airport with us, giving you a little window into our world. Uh, and uh, keep spreading the word. Retweet it. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe. Go Shout- make some really good military decisions this week. <laughs> <laughs> make good decisions. Uh, and uh, I want to give a, a shout-out right at the end here to Judd Winnick. Judd Winnick for being one of the first people to retweet our uh, our podcast. So Love thank you, you Judd. So, uh, thank, thank you so you, much, Judd. Judd. So hopefully more people follow suit and do the same. All right, take care, everyone. We'll see you next time on The Geek Buddies. Hey! hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.